0: Hi and welcome to the Let's Talk Melbourne podcast, a place for critical conversation, curiosity and the big picture from the city of Melbourne. I'm your host Vikas Raheja and let's get started. Raising inflation, investment sentiment and consumer fears. There's a lot going on in Melbourne City. Today in our studio we have an expert who's going to help us understand what's happening with the current market trends and I will request my guest to introduce
1: uh, himself. Hello everybody, my name is Ben Ashton. I'm a manager of business initiatives at Equity Trustees. Uh, Ben, welcome to Let's Talk Melbourne. Thank you. Uh, Thank
0: you for being here. And I wanted to get to you especially because you've been working in investments for such a long time. And I wanted to ask you a very important question. Every time I log into my email account and I get an email from my bank, I panic. (laughs) I panic because there's another interest rate increase and then which means less money for me to you know spend and more money towards uh my mortgage and it really gets me very very sad and upset like everybody else i'm assuming yeah so help us understand what's happening with the interest rates and why are they going up the way they are just so that we can get in, in general get an understanding of it yeah
1: absolutely it's a great question um so at the moment the central bank has been increasing interest rates gradually. Yep. Um, they did pause in April um, and they did say that it was a, a momentary momentary pause um, but no one seemed to listen because they've lost um, they've been characteristically inconsistent yep. um, so no one seemed to listen in May just last Tuesday they increased it by another 25 basis yep. points from 3 point6 to 3.85 percent. Um, the reason for this is I think Australia is in a demand-driven um, services inflation cycle um, and this demand-side phenomenon is um, a result of excessive stimulatory and monetary policy um, largely. Um, yep. So th- there's... Supply side inflation has, has slowed down, but there is that strong demand still, and this has been further compounded by the fact that since the pandemic, Australia's, Australians have large savings in their accounts. Yep. Some estimate up to 20% of, of annual income saved as cash in their accounts, and this yep. further drives demand in the, um, in the economy. Um, so when you've got great, greater demand, um, prices of goods go up, comes down to that demand and supply. So more savings
0: and they've got these data and that's why that's what's pushing the inflation. Yeah, well it's, it's,
1: it's a few things really. Yeah. So if you go into going into housing for a second, um, there's been an influx of immigrants and overseas students since yeah. the pandemic. Yeah. All of these people need to live somewhere. Yeah. There's a rental crisis at the moment. Yeah. Rental, rental prices are going up and that feeds into inflation as well. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's compounded by that effect as well. Do you see us a way out out of this in the short term or is it just
0: something we have to sort of, you know, live through? Yeah, in my right?
1: opinion it's it's going to be around for a little bit longer. Okay. Um given all those dynamics. Yeah. Um there's strong demand, um there's a the house prices are again on the rise despite rising interest rates. Yeah. Um and it's it seems to be sticky. Um, I think at least for the next eight to nine months. Okay. Um, in terms of in terms of markets, I think the prices markets haven't yet reflected that sentiment, um, and I think they'll remain robust for the next eight to nine to twelve months. But yep. I think after that, we'll start to see a downfall.
0: Okay. Hopefully, because it's sort of interesting because all of this dream, the Australian dream of owning a house, is becoming more and more distant for a lot of people because they're being out of the market. Yep. And the house? Do you think? And this is probably a rhetorical question because I ask this to anyone, and they'll be like, "That's that, That's just the wrong question," is what I get. Do you
1: think the house prices in Melbourne are worth the price that we are paying? No, I don't. I think they're excessive at the moment. They're excessive. I think right? they're yeah. very high. Um, and again, going back to demand and supply, I think there's three factors at play. First is a supply side factor, um, as the market is not as at its peak. Yeah. Um, Sellers tend to hold off selling because they think their house house is worth more. So that's a reduction um, in supply to the market. Yep. Um, immigrants and foreign exchange students coming in, increasing demand. Yeah, and the range construction range. boom that we saw in the pandemic. Yeah. Um, has fallen away as the cost of materials have gone up. Yeah. So there's two supply side factors and one demand demand side factor that has driven up those prices. Um, so I think their their prices the will remain high for for a for while. For a long time. Yeah so good luck to everyone who
0: wants to look into it. <laughs> yeah uh, it's, it's it's a tough situation but yeah it's something we have to sort of live through it what's yeah. your take on the current market sentiment investor sentiment yeah in I, general like not necessarily specific
1: to any type yeah. of an investor yeah again i kind of alluded to it earlier i think um, markets are yet to price in yeah um, the rise in rates and where we're up to the there's Inflation remains sticky um, and that's largely driven by demand, high employment, wage costs. um, So I think that's there for a while and I don't think markets have yet to price that in properly. Yeah. Um, So I think at the moment, I think you know, nine to twelve months, we'll see a fall in markets. Okay. Um, I think there's definitely more people are more conscious of risks at the moment, especially yeah. with equities. You're seeing a lot of volatility, yeah. um, but I think we'll see a downward trend in the next nine to twelve months. Okay,
0: and 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 this constant fear mongering of recession that keeps happening in the media. Yeah, well, at the it,
1: moment, if you look at the yield curve, it is inverted. Yeah. Um, historically, that has been a, an indicator of a recession. Yeah. Um, who knows what will happen? I think I think we might get pretty close to one.
0: Or you think we might get pretty close to it?
1: I think so. But a recession yeah. is two periods of negative GDP. Yeah. You um, can periods. still have your beer and talk. It's okay. Fine. Yeah. We're pretty chilled out here, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so a recession is two periods of, of negative GDP. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we go backwards yep. um, a little bit, but I don't think it's, it's, it won't be a catastrophe. Okay, cool. And
0: uh, one of the other things is that like what I wanted to get your take on is in terms of the banking system that's in Australia at the moment and the big four banks and the way there's sort of pretty much concentration of like that sort of an industry. Mm -hmm. What can, what are they doing right or are they doing, they can do better at the moment just to help ease some of the, you know, market fears and stuff? It's a pretty broad-based question, but I always wondered that with the banks, is there something that they can, they should be looking into or considering, or is it just some, or, or is it their standard talking points that they have that, oh, you know, the interest rate has been increased and we're going to pass it on and so on and so forth, and mm. that's it.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, when I think about it, dr- banks are largely driven by their shareholders, yeah. so they have an obligation to Do their the shareholders, shareholders yeah. to, um, to derive value and 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 make a return. Yeah. Um. So when an interest rate um increase is is um passed from the from the government yeah. they tend to pass it on and that's due to their obligation to the shareholder. Shareholders, yeah. um, increasingly we are seeing them be more conscious of ESG factors and a lot more um talk and action around that. Yeah. Um but they still have a an obligation to their shareholders to deliver.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, of course. That's the first thing we learn in MBA is that the obligation to the shareholders. Yeah. Now I have to ask you a very a, a dumb question by your standards, <laughs> but a mate has asked me this because, and I thought I'll ask you here on the podcast.
1: You Can't put me on the spot yeah.
0: <laughs> no, no. This is this should be this will be easy for you, <laughs> right? So a mate of mine who's not from the financial services industry like we are, and has asked me this question uh, because they want to understand from their superannuation what's the difference between an index fund and an active fund. Um, but i could explain that but i thought you'll do a better job than i would
1: that is not a stupid question at all <laughs> that's a it's a really good question so an active fund you tend to pay an active manager to outperform the index yeah. and and they tend to deviate from the benchmark to seek that alpha an index fund tracks yeah. a, a chosen index yeah. that's it in a really not nu- uh, in a really small kind of nutshell yeah. um yeah
0: and active funds are more expensive traditionally because of the Typically, for yes, the active management for the active aspect. management
1: costs, costs more than and tracking an index. Yeah. And do you think there's a trend now where peop,
0: most industry funds, not industry funds wouldn't be the right, but the most investors are moving from active to index to, in a sense, reduce the active management costs. But at the same time, the returns are perhaps compromised if they're tracking an index. Returns would be the wrong word, but the risk to return ratio.
1: Yeah, that's right. So you're taking a you you're removing that active management risk. Yeah. Um, and you're just getting the returns of the index. Um, historically, we'll see that in it's it's arguable, but index returns and active returns tend to converge at some point. Yep. Um, so there's no proven outperformance over the long over the term, term. Yes. Um, yeah. From active management, you can take bets over the short term and yeah. pay for that active management and try to generate that alpha. Yeah. Um, but over the long term, we'll see them. I'm glad you're the same. same. Now, one of the other
0: things that keeps, um, which is in the conversation and has been in the conversation for a very long time, and it's something which is targeted uh, to a younger demographic, and and it's something that the younger demographic in this country especially gives a lot of importance to is your ethical investing, Mm -hmm. ESG. Yep. Can you explain to someone who is, say, not a part of the industry, how would you explain what ESG is, what ethical investing is, and why there is this growing sentiment uh, for that politically, personally? may not necessarily be from an investor perspective, but there is a lot of demand out there. Yep, is that a right assumption? Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
1: Absolutely, especially in recent times. Yeah. Um, so we're seeing a greater, uh, ESG means environmental, social and governance. Yep. Um, and especially now with um, target emissions and um, there's a, Green, uh, green vehicle um, initiative released by the government, especially under the current Labour government, um, it's becoming more and more prominent and consumers and companies are more aware of this at the moment. So there is an increased demand for products and companies that yeah. have a um, ESG focus. Yeah. Um, unfortunately not all companies um, practice as they preach. Um, ASIC found that out of two hundred forty-seven companies investigated, up to fifty-seven percent who claim they practiced um, ESG or yep. had ESG standards were yep. deficient in um, what they actually practice, as compared to what they said they did. Yeah. Um, but there is a growing trend, and that's why we're seeing, you know, sometimes you can. It's called greenwashing, where yep. um, a company or a fund um, makes claims that they focus on ESG when they actually don't. Yeah. So the underlying investments could
0: potentially have exposure to companies or investments that are perhaps... Yeah, as one example,
1: or if you're looking at a company, they might say that they um, uh, have no exposure to fossil fuels or they might say that they have uh, 80%... um, Women on the board, yeah. or or some kind of some claim kind of claim like that, yeah. which is not entirely true. Exactly yeah. right.
0: And is there some sort of legislation that's coming across that, or is it just a sentiment? Yeah, so or? it's
1: it's the A Triple C are now very much onto it, and okay. as an ASIC, um, yeah. and they're they're really deep diving into it, and that's been driven largely by the current labor government as well. Okay, okay, well, that's good to know.
0: Well, um, since this is our season finale. Uh, and this is the last episode for the season, for the first season, and you're our last guest. I wanted to, I'm always curious to know um, how did you get into investments? Yeah, A little yeah. bit of background for people how who much may time, or not know. How much know. time do you have? We don't have <laughs> much time, so you have to keep it brief. Yeah, <laughs> no, so, we
1: have time, but I'm, I guess I'm just. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, my journey into um, investments and in financial services more broadly is a little bit different. Yeah. Um, to the disappointment of my parents, I left high school and um, worked in hospitality. Um, when I was about 19, I traveled overseas and landed myself in Turkey. And after about a year, I, uh, I met a girl over okay. there and, uh, we decided to buy a hotel on a small, um, coastal area on the Mediterranean. Oh my God. It's like um, a movie. It was only, it was only like a small... That's for a love moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah um it was a small hotel um 16 rooms but i stayed Ended up staying there for about seven or eight years so you actually
0: bought the hotel there but Were you yeah. weren't scared you weren't like I was, oh, what young, the
1: I was young and dumb at the time yeah. um, but it was a great experience and it actually became quite profitable at the time yeah when we bought there was one dirt road going into this little town and all the all the guests used to come in by yacht yeah um then over the years there was a Road built at an airport um, nearby, and we started getting big tourist companies, and we had English people and Dutch people and Russians and, and Germans, and it was this multicultural hub. And it was just amazing. Yeah. Um, when I returned to Australia, I um, continued working in hospitality, and I got to a point where I didn't like the whites, uh, the nights, and the lifestyle, and I decided to go back to university, and I went myself in economics and finance. And how
0: old were you then when you went uh, back?
1: Twenty nine. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Now uh, 29 when I started the degree. Okay. Yeah. Um, so working nights in the restaurant, studying economics and finance. I chose economics and finance because I always had an interest in, in markets and investments and I always used to dabble in also economics as a whole, yeah. um, supply and demand and how different forces work together. Um, halfway through, I was lucky enough to get a job at Equity Trustees and started as a fund administrator. Yeah, um, worked through to operations, senior operations, relationship associate, relationship manager, yeah. investment analyst, and to where I am now. So it's been quite a journey. It's quite been quite a journey. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've had some amazing experiences um, over the the last twenty years. Um, it's been what's incredible. the
0: best one. That you can share publicly. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) PG, please. Look, I really enjoyed. uh, Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed um, in Turkey having people from all over the world sitting in the restaurant, going around to talk to different people. Was my role. Um, Yeah. My ex-partner now was was not a people person okay um so, she, so you took care of the salesmanship I, I was just i was out the front and, you're the um, model on the face. <laughs> yeah well, i wouldn't say that but yeah um she was doing the for boxing. our list
0: there's uh, off the record and so, i mean off the record from this particular conversation but ben is known as a model in our workplace am i really i mean there's one uh, well yeah my boss thinks so so i'm not quite sure well, if, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> coming back yes you'll be listening so i won't say anything but um
1: (laughs) (laughs) um, sorry where was
0: i uh about your the fact that you enjoyed talking to people
1: and and looking up where you were in your hotel and your partner was not necessarily that's right yeah um so it was people all over the world and i'd get to sit down with each of them learn about their stories learn about where they came from what they did their lives back home and it was just incredible and we shared this Bond over food and wine and drink and and talk and dance and and that was my life for for seven years and it was incredible. Did you sell that hotel
0: eventually? Um, I sold there? my share. Yeah,
1: uh, my ex partner still has a fifty 50% percent or fifty. 50% oh, is that hotel still there? It's still there. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah, it's yeah. Still there. You should tell me the name and I'll go and check it out. Yeah, it's eventually. called Hotel Sozan Hotel Sozan in Turkey. Hotel okay. In Istanbul. It. No, it's oh. in a place called Adrasan, which is in Antalya. Okay. Um, near a place called Olimpos. Okay. All right
0: oh that's, that's exciting but it's quite amazing that you went from there and you went back at 29 to uni got a degree and worked into this and now you know the, all the good stuff that you're doing yeah at any point and you and you had your kids at, at when you were in uni as well i, think oh, I had, had one part. when i was yeah.
1: when i was studying at uni yeah um and one more recently
0: and as what advice would you give to say fathers who want, who've got young kids and want to pursue what you did what from your experience any tips you can give them
1: Yeah it's it's daunting at the start um, yeah. but my advice would be just to do it if you have support that's fantastic yeah. I relied heavily on um, my parents yeah. so they did a lot of the heavy lifting for me um, yeah. but if you if you want to pursue something my advice would be just to just to do it and do give it, it a, give it a go because I'm a believer that things work out and work out for a reason. Oh, well, an example for that, right? not just a believer, but <laughs> yeah. a living example. Uh, now I get to work with people like you. So. Yeah, I'm not quite
0: sure that's exciting enough. But <laughs> 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 uh, okay. Well, that's Yeah, no, that's that's a very fascinating story. I just want to touch on that. I know you're talking about investments and investment rent, but I think it was a good... Because um, I do have friends or I do know people who have young kids and they want to pursue education especially higher education and you know full-time studies and with a job and it's daunting so it was good to get that sort of insight that if you you need a support system and importantly you need conviction you need absolutely. to believe in that that if you've got the right amount of conviction that this is something that you're passionate about and you want to do
1: it and then exactly go and pursue that so absolutely I'm a yeah. firm believer in, in lifelong learning as well yeah um, I like to learn whenever I can whether it be reading an article picking up a book yeah um, or doing a formal course, um, but I think education's never wasted. Never wasted, yeah. Uh,
0: and any last thoughts on in the well, we've pretty much covered most stuff that we had to from an investment perspective. But any final parting
1: thoughts you have from an investment side that you know people can take away from? No, I think um, as I said earlier, I think you know markets are yet to price in where we're up to in, yeah. in the current cycle. I think there'll be a few more rate rises. That's not financial advice. Um, yeah, we're not giving any financial <laughs> advice on the show. Please uh, speak
0: to experts of financial yeah. advisors. This conversation.
1: Um, I think there'll I think um, there'll be a few more hikes, um, and I think markets will price in, probably, price in all of those things. Price in all yeah. of those things in the in the next year. Yeah. Um, so I just expect some volatility then.
0: Do you think the end of financial year sales are going to be like people are going to go out and buy a lot of stuff like they do, or it's going to be a bit lukewarm this year?
1: I think consumption is still really high. Really high, right? Um, yeah. Demand is still strong. Yeah. People have cash and they're still spending. Yeah. I think that if the while inflation has slowed, yeah. um, it is still very much demand driven.
0: Yeah. People are still spending. You still can't get a seat at Gimlet. Like you yeah. can't book a table yeah. there. Yeah. People are out. restaurants Everywhere. are packed bars Yeah, are packed. restaurants are packed and Yeah. Yeah. That's well, interesting. Okay. Now we are almost towards the end of the show, but we ask every guest two questions. Please. One is, what is the one thing that
1: you love about living in Melbourne? Good question. I love Melbourne. I love the little laneways. I love that you can get a good coffee. I love yeah. the, the secret bar that you can find. I love the little restaurants that you can find. Yeah. Um, we're such a culinary city, and that's what I love about it. I'm a hospitality background, as you yeah. know, um, and I love that culinary aspect of it. And also, people from all over the world, similar to what I said about Turkey, yeah. um, you can bump into someone and hear their story, and it's and it's each person. Each story that he is unique and it's special, unique and and it's, special absolutely. yeah
0: now i have another question what's the best cocktail you can
1: make oh really put me on the spot yeah um well, i could make pretty much all cocktails but the
0: one that you would say if you had a date and you had to impress
1: her and you would be like babe this is just for you what would be like you know i would if and it has to be genuinely good a date <laughs> and i was trying to impress i can picture it um, you know i'd have something like marvin Gaye playing in the background um and maybe making a great you know this isn't tinder
0: right yeah, <laughs> so, like, <I>
1: can, I'm- <laughs>
0: but continue yes <laughs> uh, i can make a great mojito a mojito okay all right i That's can good. make a great mojito all right and uh and what's your anthem song do you have an anthem song there's one song that you listen to or are you listening to grow- growing
1: up listening to growing up i was a big fan Growing up i went through various stages yeah um but one that i remember is a metal stage and it was metallica yeah enter sandman oh yes yeah but there was a time it
0: was a great great band and unfortunately there is no rock music anymore there's no rock music it's not traditional old school the ones that peaked at 80s and early 90s we don't have those anymore yeah now
1: i love metallica and that's a great great song yeah so that was that was probably my anthem song yeah growing up that's one that comes to mind straight away
0: awesome well we towards the end of the show, so thank you, Ben, for coming. My pleasure. Thank thank you for having me. No, welcome. And thank you for sharing everything. And as I said, this is our season one series finale, the last episode, so hopefully we will see you for season two. Uh, So thank you to to. all the listeners and I appreciate the time you're taking and talking to us, Ben. Are you going to come back for season two?
1: If you have me, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: We'll we'll come back. We'll talk about mojitos and, and how to make good cocktails. Okay. I mean, investments also will cover it, but... Uh, yeah, with a lot of people who want to know how to make a good cocktail. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Thank it's, you very much. Mr. Skillte. Yeah. All right. Thanks everyone. And uh please tune in for season two and thank you for listening uh for season one. And this is our series finale. So let's talk, Melbourne. Thank you. We would like to thank our sponsors, Construct Mart and Floors Trading and Clearance Center. Uh and also let you know that this podcast has been recorded from Image Online Studio in Abbotsford. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening and please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and also follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk Melbourne.